uh, would you like you to turn to Matthew chapter 13? I'm going to look at one little verse. It's verse 44. We're starting a series um, called The Generous Life. And um, it is such a necessary and important topic. It's a, it's a topic that Jesus talks about all the time. And I thought this story could just help us understand maybe the heart of God a little bit better. So verse 44, Matthew chapter 13, it reads like this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. In his excitement, exuberation, his joy, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get money to buy the field. Isn't that amazing? What a story. It reminds me of me when I was a little oaky. And I'd go for an adventure in like a forest. And I was always hoping that someone had buried the treasure box. It's like me as an adult hoping somewhere along the line, some old rich relative I do not know drops off through DLH, whatever they're called, a box full of treasure. So here's this guy. He's walking on his feet. I think this was his path. He was going from one side of the city to the other, and he had shortcut, I think, through the forest or the field with a stick, and he'd be walking along and watching for stones and rabbits and, you know, knots in the thing where people trip each other over. And he's walking along, and as he's walking with his stick, he, he plonks, and he goes, wow, that sounded different. And he goes back, and he plonks on the ground, and he hears that the ground is a, a little bit more hollow sounding then over here so he bashes it again and, and then his heart starts beating there's something under the ground I, I wonder what it is and all the thoughts in him if that was you what would you be imagining either it's bones someone's dog or something an old battery but in our mind our mind goes wild with imagination imagine if it's a bunch of gold. <laughs> Imagine, eh? I, I, I'm still like that. So he sort of gets a stick and he, he scratches a little bit on the surface and it makes like a, a hollow scratching sound. He, his heart starts beating a little bit more. There's a little bit more excitement going on. Uh, and then he, uh, he thumps and it sounds, he bends down on his knee, he starts scratching. There's a box. Make sure. No one else is with And it's this massive box. Now, he doesn't know if he should faint or shout for joy. There's this box. And, he, and he, his heart is beating. He opens it, and it is filled with treasure. Gold and jewelry and gold-plated thingy-majings. And he, it's just like, what the heck? He's so excited. He closes it. And now he's wondering if there's any CCTV around. He knows someone might be locked. So he stands up all casually and he starts pushing the sand back just in case someone watched him, eh? Covers it over, leaves, comes back at night, digs it up, goes back into the forest and buries it. Puts some bushes on top. And then he goes home. And he sells everything he's got. His donkey, his two kids, 
his neighbor's wheelbarrow. He sells everything he's got because he knows he's got to buy the field because in the field is a treasure box that he's looked into. Man, it's from, I love the story, man. I dream of being this guy, don't you? Hey? You do as well, but you do it this way. You go to Lotto. You hear a hollow sound on a piece of paper. Oh, the treasure's coming. You know what I mean? But no one has got that box yet that I know of. Some look like you have with the fancy cars out there. The discovery of the treasure that Jesus is talking about is the discovery of himself. The great treasure, Jesus Christ. The life, the abundant life, the eternal life of the treasure of Jesus Christ. And the joy of the find, the joy, the exuberance, the, the excitement, giving up everything to take hold of a, of a better future. I, I remember the day that I found Jesus. The joy, the excitement. I, I couldn't contain myself. I, I had to tell everyone about Jesus. And isn't it weird that the very thing we discover is the very thing we, we can't help. We just, we just want to give it away to everyone and everyone around us. It's this great discovery. I don't understand why Jesus keeps using money and possessions in his illustrations. It's, it's so frustrating. How can he compare himself to this treasure box? I, I would imagine because even in his age, in his day, money was still a God that people trusted in. It was valuable. And now Jesus is the one we can, we can trust. We've, we've taken it. We found everything in this world, but now we find Jesus, the, the great discovery of our lives. You, you know the truth is, there's a connection between faith and finances. There's a, we, we don't like to talk about that. Eh? It's like, what do you mean? There is a connection. There's a connection between our spiritual life and what we do with what we have. There's a very, a very close connection. Because it's a connection of trust. We either trust in the system of this world, which Jesus describes as mammon, or we trust in God. We, we, we try and trust in both, but the truth is we can't. There's too much tension. And then we discover in this journey of having found the treasure, Jesus Christ, we find, as He has given, the joy He gave, then the joy of finding Him, and then we start discovering the joy of giving the treasure that we have away because we have a, a different perspective. We have an, we have an eternal perspective. We, we, you know, when we discover... When we find out once and for all that, that we have an eternal perspective of life, everything changes. The joy in us just wells up. We, we can't contain what God has done for us. And here, here we, we, we give up everything to gain all that God has for us forever. Everything. We, 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 we give up, we sell everything. We, we sell everything to buy the field. Why? Because the treasure is in the field. It's like, a, as someone said, a, a short-term sacrifice for the long-term reward. 
What a, what a find. What a find. This series that we're going to do, The Generous Life, has got everything to do with the treasure. The treasure that we have in Jesus Christ and the treasure that we've been entrusted with. Our time that we've been entrusted with. The, the talents that God has given you. So it's like, what are we going to do with what God has given us? And are we, are we going to joyfully give away what we've been entrusted with as much as we are, have discovered the treasure of Jesus and the great joy that entered into our life? So I'm hoping that over the next while, together, we'll, we'll go on a journey discovering what it is to live the generous life. But the generous life, for me, is all about God. It's not about it starts with God or it's like God. It is, the generous life is all about God. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. All of us are the Lord's. Everything in the world is the Lord. Everything on the earth right now at this present time and everything that has existed, it is the Lord's. All things. All things is the Lord's. The, the generous life is about God. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 says this. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord. Yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. And you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. I love what Paul said in the, to the Roman church in chapter 11, verse 36. He says, For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. And all glory, he says, to Him forever. And then he he slaps on an, an amen at the end of it. So be it. That's, that's what it is. It's the Lord's. It's from Him. It's for Him and it's for His glory. That's the generous life. It's about God. The, there's, nothing, there's nothing you and I can do to change the nature of God. However, should we think we can, then what we do we take God out of the picture. What I mean by this is that there is a mindset in the world, in the thinking, in the church, shamefully, that we think we can put God in the box to suit us. So what we're saying is, God, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe everything has come from you, but maybe everything that's come from you is for me. To think like that is to replace God with a magic genie. A magic genie we don't have to trust. You see, this God that we're talking about in the Psalms and in the letters of the Scriptures, the letters Paul wrote to the church, this God is the God in whom we trust. The creator of all things from, where every, from whom all things come. It's this God in whom we trust. But if we, if we believe that this is all about us, 
then we take this God out of the picture and then we replace him with our God, our magic genie. We don't have to trust him. All we need to do, we need to pick him out of his little box and we just need to rub him a bit. And then what he will do, he'll give us everything we want. Everything we need. But the generous life is actually about our God. And everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. There's been a perception that the generous life is about a life that I gain. It's, you know, it's for me. So if you want the red Ferrari or the little helicopter or the whatever, then whip out your magic genie God and rub, and maybe He'll pop it out for you. But our God is different. The God of creation, He's a different God. He's the God in whom we trust, and that all things are for His splendor and glory. But the generous life is also a reflection of our living, not just our life, our living. Firstly, the generous life is a reflection of our living and how our faith and trust in God and His Word is worked out in our daily living. How we believe that we have faith and trust in our God, in Him and who He is. And we believe that who He is is fundamentally good. And everything that comes from Him is good. The generous life is reflected in our living Firstly, in our faith and trust in His Word, but secondly, in what we do with what He's entrusted us with. With our time. I, I know, I, I, I speak for me. Time is valuable. And just this, this last weekend, two people I know have dropped down dead. Time is short. When you're starting to hit the 60 number, all of a sudden, you're going, hey, I'm not too sure I'm ready to die. You know? And then you start realizing, what am I wasting my time on? You see, what are we going to do with this thing that God has God's entrusted us with time, not Him, because time's not an issue. He's a true African. He does not have a watch. God is not Swiss. Doesn't bother God. But we the ones who have time. We need to make the most of every moment. Not only that, what about our talents, the endless amount of talents and abilities and skills and gifts that we've been entrusted with. It's ref the generous life is reflected in the way we live out our lives and our living and what we do with what God has entrusted us with. And what about our treasures, our possessions, and our money? You see, the generous life is reflected in our living. It's, it's about honoring and glorifying God with our all. And not only that, it's also what Paul wrote to, to Timothy. You should write this down. This is a great text. Two, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Put your trust in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. What a wonderful verse. I, I, I've underlined that in my Bible many times. It's in our living, in our enjoyment, comma, for His glory. 
how we learn to live our lives with our time, our talent, and our treasures, enjoying all that God's given us, knowing that we are custodians, we're just we're we are sojourners, we are entrusted with what He's given us for His glory. The life of the, uh, living the life that God has called us to, the, the generous life that we, we want to live, ought to be living, is a life that is about God. It's reflected in our living, but we also face realities. And some of the realities you and I face are, I mentioned this last week, are giants. The giants that stand in front of us. The giants that try and derail us, the giants that threaten and cause fear, accuse and, and deplete us about, of who we are, the giants that deceive and derail us, the giants that lie and create falsehoods, the, lie, the giants that stand in front of us and try and capture and enslave our lives. These giants, every one of us have them. In our living, there isn't a soul in here who has an easy life. There's a person here today that I know of that hasn't got a giant standing in front of them right now, threatening them. And you know the generous life is limited by the giants and the permission we give to the giants to remain in front of us. Not only the giants that stand in front of us, but the, the voices that keep going on in our minds. There's some of us here who come from families that have said things about money and time and talent. And you've seen it from your grandparents and your, and your siblings and your, and your uncles and aunts. And the world has shaped us what, what we must do with what we have. And then there's God. But you know what the hard thing for us is to try and switch those old tapes off. You've given your life to Jesus. You've been dunked in the dunk tank and you come out a brand new person. But isn't it weird? The old tapes keep playing over and over again. They keep lying to us, accusing us, deceiving us, pulling us away from the path that we should be following. We all have these tapes. And unless we deal with the giants and fight the giants and kill the giants that are in front of us, and then unless we, we, we update our thoughts and renew our minds... And if we do renew our minds, then we can shape for ourselves a future that is different to our present. Our behavior and our attitudes and our actions will be shaped because we've, we've thought differently. And that's not easy. There's no magic solution. There's no injection for that. This is, the, this is the hard yards. Let, let me tell you some of the giants that stand before us with money, with possessions, all of us. The, uh, when we get trapped in the cycle of discontentment, what a trap. What a common trap for all of us. It's like that giant, that, that lure, that, that stuff, our mind is shaped all weirdly inside because of where we come from. The, the trap of the cycle of discontent. What about, what about when we become slaves to debt? I, don't, I think there might be one city in the world that's not in debt. I don't know if there are any countries in the world. This city is in debt, this nation. Let me tell you something. We can pray till we blue in the face. We can stand on the city hall steps and hold our Bibles and waggle them in front of everybody and all the unseen things. But as long as this nation is financially in debt, we are slaves. We need to break them because there is a power behind that. 
We need to break the power. I'm telling you now, we need to fight our way out of the grip of debt. I had someone after the first service come up to me and said, Brett, for most of my marriage, now he's 80-something, for most of my marriage, we had revolving credit in our lives. And one day my wife woke up for 25 years. He had, he had revolving credit. No, for, he had not 25 years. For the first sort of portion of their marriage, they had a 25,000 rand, and that's a long time ago, revolving credit. His wife woke up one morning and said, we've got to get out of debt. He's just bought himself a brand new car cash. Because for 25 years in their marriage, no more debt. If we don't get out of that, it's going to kill us. We are slaves. You understand what I'm saying? The generous life has barriers to it. We all want to be generous, but there's sometimes barriers to generosity. And that's one of them. And what about when disillusionment sets in? How easily disillusionment sets in. And then apathy. And then frustration. Then we just give up. Oh, what the heck? And then we just spiral down. Those are our realities. We're going to deal with this stuff. We're going to nail these things. We're going to call them out. We're going to pray for one another. We want to see people free. That's what we are after. The generous life is, it's a journey. Let me just add this. The generous life is not about what you do and don't have. The generous life is a choice. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It's not about what you do and don't have. But what we do need to do is we need to stay the course. I did mention this last week, but it's just worth another mention. We need to stay the course. We, we need to press on. We, we need to finish the race. That's what we need to do. In our, in our everyday lives, in our circumstances, in the situations that we find ourselves, we need to stay the course. And yes, we need passion to live. And we need passion for the future. And yes, we need a very clear and compelling plan and a sense of purpose for what we believe God has for us out there. But the true story for all of us is this, is that we all have to deal with problems. There are problems. There are difficulties and challenges and there are hard times. And sometimes hard times fall on us. But can I just encourage you, stay the course, run the race, cross the line. Don't believe the junk that is told when you're a Christian, there will be no problems, there will be no pain, there will be no hardship. That's bulldust. There could be another word we could use, but we won't use that. The Bible is full of difficulty. But you know what the joy is, the victory for the believer? God is with us. And He sees us through us, and He gives us the victory in it. Isn't that the beauty of following God? I think it's patience, and it's, it's perseverance, and it's resolve that, that will see us home. As we trust in the Lord, be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for Him to act. And we live in such an immediate gratification culture that everything has to be dealt up right now. It has deceived us. It is not the nature of God. We need to learn to live at the speed of God, which is very different to our speed of pace. We need to chill down and wait patiently, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. It sees us home. Faithfulness is fruitful. A true story for me, I think for most of us, it's uh, the, this finishing this course for most is a, is a slow shuffle in the right direction. 
It's, it's like Eugene Peterson, it's long obedience in the same direction. But we believe in this God. We believe that He hears us and He knows us and He knows what's best for us. And He knows that if we know where the generous life uh, source is, we know that it'll all go back for His glory, even in the difficulties. I read this last week, but this is really worth another read. It's Psalm 1. It's the New Living Translation or paraphrase of it. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. This is not a judgment call. This is a discernment issue. Oh, the joy of those who don't make the wrong choices. You don't hung, look for the wrong advice or, or don't hang around the wrong people. The joy of those people, he says, they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on his word day and night. In brackets, because your word, O Lord, is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. And they, these people who are like that are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never wither. They will prosper in all they do. You know why? They have found the treasure. But not so the wicked. For the wicked are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They'll be condemned in the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place for the godly. But the Lord watches over the path of the godly. He sees your slow shuffle. He sees your long obedience in the same direction. He sees your patience, your perseverance, your resolve. He sees that and he says, I will watch over you. Isn't that good? The generous life, for me, uh, there's a business term, put in place best practices. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom language, practice key kingdom principles. That's what we need to do. In other words, we do the Bible. We trust in the Lord. We have faith in what He has said and who He is. And we believe that our simple obedience will give Him glory. The Word of God keeps us focused on who He is. And it enables our faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing the words of Jesus Christ. And if we have faith, we can be expectant. When, when, when we follow kingdom principles, when we apply them to this area of our lives, especially our resources, when we follow, there's three kingdom principles that we're going to talk about over the next while. If we follow these key kingdom principles and we apply them to our lives, to our, to our time, to our talents, to our treasure, we'll see God laugh in them. In our lives. Remember, God's not the, the magic genie we're rubbing here. What we're doing is we're working His Word so that His Word would work out of us and we'll see His glory. But isn't it interesting that, that, that Jesus wants to drive the truth of who He is to us and He uses money, He uses treasure to do that. Because it's a challenge. And He is the living God. 
And so the one principle we want to look at is the, the treasure principle. And the treasure principle you find in Matthew chapter 6, the treasure principle, which I also put in brackets, the first principle, is uh, this principle challenges us to check our hearts are in the right place. For where your treasure is, there you find the desires of your heart. The second principle is the principle of stewardship. And oh God, please, could you somehow release this principle in this nation? In our businesses, in our family affairs, in our finances. Because the, the steward principle, stewardship principle you find in uh, Matthew chapter 25. And this principle encourages us to use our heads, to be smart. If you have an opportunity to read anything you can written on finances by a guy called Randy Elkhorn, he's written a number, he's written 51 books, but three of his books are around, around finances. Outstanding. Outstanding. Highly recommend. Solid theologian. Clean. Good mind. You'll love it. And he says this, and it's quite, I was like quite like taken back when he said, people are just plain stupid when it comes to money. The Bible says this. Do not store for yourself treasure on earth where rust 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 and must something where you're waiting eh there you are where rust and moth and something else can come in and destroy Jesus saying that and we listening yeah don't do that he says store your treasure in heaven where all that stuff can't destroy it and guess what we do we're just stupid we invest everything here on earth, which has a lifetime span of what? If we're good, 85, 95 years. But if we invest in heaven, the investment could be for 30 million years. Don't be stupid, he's saying. True story, isn't it? I think Jesus would have said that. Don't be dumb. Invest in the right place. Stewardship in, teaches us the joy of investing with an eternal perspective. And the last principle is the harvest principle where we learn, where I believe we are called to live with open-handedness. So let me summarize one, one sentence. The generous life is learning to live with our hearts in the right place, using our heads, being smart, having open hands. Amen? Done. Did you get it?